Decision day for four-star elite offensive tackle Bennett Warren, Tennessee, Michigan, Oklahoma. If Tennessee were to land him today, Tennessee solidifies a top-ten class in my opinion. That and more at your Monday Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good Monday, everybody. It is a new week, and we welcome you back here to Locked On Vols. I am Eric Kane. It is going to be a monstrous week. Uh, Tennessee fall camp starts this week. Media day is tomorrow. First practices on Wednesday. We got some recruiting announcements set to be uh, had starting today and a couple more this week. Uh, it's going to be a big week, and we're going to recap it all for you right here on Locked On Vols. Talking about it. And uh, yeah, it is your safe space. Tennessee fans, five days a week, every single morning, 30 minutes or less. Shout out to everydayers. Bennett Warren is set to make his announcement later today. Going to preview that announcement. Darnell Wright crushes his conditioning test with the Chicago Bears. And it's really funny how that happened. If you haven't heard, you want to stay tuned for segment two. And then scouting the opponents, taking a break from the SEC slates to get into a little homecoming matchup against UConn. That is your Monday show right here on Locked On Vols. Okay, so Bennett Warren, really, really talented four-star offensive tackle from Fort Bend Christian Academy in Sugarland, Texas. Uh, he has been, you know, part of te- he has been high on Tennessee ever since his official visit. Really, I think this is one of those cases where. Sure, Tennessee was talking to him. Sure, he was, you know, answering the phone and, and and saying that he was interested in Tennessee and all that. But until he got to campus, didn't really think it was a real thing. And he came in, I want to say, one of the last weekends for official visits in the month of June, and he fell in love. Uh, truly loves Tennessee. Now, uh, little, he's been kind of back and forth a little bit the last couple of weeks. Tennessee, Michigan, Oklahoma's in that conversation, as is nearby Texas A&M. I think there's been a little bit of a split decision there, maybe with him going one to go one way and, and family another way, whatever the case is. But it's going to come down between Tennessee and Michigan, and he's set to announce that later today uh, here on July the 31st. I think Tennessee's in a good spot. I do. Again, I, I continue to go back to um, he came in. He actually saw everything. He spoke with the coaches, spoke with players, um, You know, saw everything firsthand, and I think that made the difference. Kind of came in here and fell in love. And so we'll see if he ends up choosing Tennessee, but a really nice prospect, okay? Offensive tackle, six foot seven and a half, 330 pounds. He is a four-star rated prospect per the On3 industry rankings, which takes into account 25% of what On3 thinks, 25% of what, or I think it's actually 30%, 30, 35%, whatever the percentage is. That's more for, I should know this, right? It's more for On3 and 247, and then a little less for rivals, and then I think 10% for... Uh, ESPN, whatever the case is, four-star rated prospect per the on three industry rankings, um, 157th overall prospect in the country, 13th rated offensive tackle, 29th prospect out of the state of Texas, and you know that there are a lot of good prospects in the state of Texas. On three has him as the 269th overall prospect, and uh, ironically, again, because I work for on three, um, that's the highest by, by a by a mile, really by a country mile, according to the other three publications that cover uh, recruiting. Uh, 247 has him as a top 100 player at 82nd in the country. Uh, ESPN has him as a top 100 player at 84th in the country. And Rivals.com has Bennett Warren as the 230th rated overall prospect. So anywhere you want to spin it, he is a top 300 athlete. He is a top 300 prospect. And 
Um, you know, if you're if you're in the top 300 in your class, pretty much means you are a highly rated four star prospect, and you are uh, you're doing a whole, a whole lot of things right. Okay, uh, there there's a lot to like about you. Um, you look at Tennessee's. Uh, you look at Tennessee's uh, overall class, the committed class for the class of 2024. You take a look at it over at On3.com. And leading into decision day, four four-star offensive tackle Bennett Warren, Tennessee ranks as the ninth class uh, in the uh, in the uh, industry or the comparison rankings over here at On3. Tennessee has 18 commits so far, led by of course five-star wide receiver Mike Matthews, who came in a couple weeks ago. Four-star. Cornerback Caleb Beasley, four-star quarterback Jake Merklinger, four-star wide receiver Braylon Staley, four-star tight end Jonathan Eccles, four-star running back Peyton Lewis, four-star athlete Boo Carter, four-star offensive lineman William Satterwhite, four-star offensive lineman Max Anderson, four-star edge Kellen Lindstrom, and four-star um, four-star uh, linebacker who committed last week or a couple weeks ago as well. And Edwin Spillman, a couple other four, or one other four star I haven't mentioned is Marcus Gorey from Bradley Central defensive back. So those are all the four stars and the one five star so far in this class. Tennessee's been together a really, really nice class. But if Tennessee were to land Bennett Warren, this would be big because it gives you a first blue chip offensive tackle. Uh, Tennessee's got some nice players in the offensive line class, don't get me wrong. William Satterwhite keeping him away from. Uh, uh, Clemson was huge, highly rated four-star prospect. That's big. Max Anderson as well. Uh, Max Anderson from the state of Texas, four-star offensive lineman. That's big as well. Nice little projectile piece there. You continue to go down the list. I think Gage Ginther is going to be the steal of this class from the state of Colorado. It lists him as an offensive tackle, but he's more of an interior guy. He's a three-star. And then Jeremiah Hurd's a guy that I think will end up on the offensive line, but will probably start his uh, Tennessee career in a couple years on the defensive line as well as Jesse Perry, a three-star prospect for Tennessee. Point being, I've mentioned all these guys, and with the exception of Jeremiah Hurd, who we're not 100% certain that he'll end up on the offensive line. He's kind of a just a lineman right now. All these guys are pretty much interior guys. Again, Jesse Perry's an interior guy. Gage Ginther of the bunch could probably play offensive tackle, but he's more, again, of an interior guy. Uh, William Satterwhite is an interior guy. Max Anderson is an interior guy. Tennessee needs tackles. Tennessee is losing a whole lot of players after this season, potentially seven to eight offensive linemen, and there's not a whole lot of tackles uh, in the depth chart that you feel good about you know, heading into the 2024 season. So I'm not saying if uh, Bennett Warren comes in here and commits that he's going to be a starter in 2024. I'm just saying you need to have some options. You need to start getting some guys in here, develop, and plus by that time he'll be a brand-new freshman. But you need to have some guys in here, strength and conditioning program for years to come so you're not having to rely so much on the transfer portal. Bennett Warren is an offensive tackle, okay? And I think he's a pretty good one. And so really when you look at this class, it is super well-balanced. It's well-rounded. Got a five-star playmaker, wide receiver. You got some highly rated four-star prospects. The positions that matter: quarterback, cornerback, a running back, secondary, offensive line, edge, linebacker, and then you have some projectile pieces below here as well. So if you get Bennett Warren, you're looking at a guy that kind of kind of checks one more box and says, "All right, you feel good about secondary? Check. You feel good about quarterback? Check." Um, you know, uh, linebacker check with two and, and, and Jordan Burns and Edwin Spillman and maybe more to come. But what about offensive tackle? Offensive line, interior check, but you've got to have an offensive tackle. And that Bennett Warren would kind of check that box and really give Tennessee another blue chipper and, you know, give Tennessee a whole lot to feel about. If he says Tennessee later today, Tennessee will have 19 commits. Remember, before Tennessee kicked off against um, whoever they played for the opener last year, uh, Tennessee was at 21 commits, 
And so Tennessee, with another commit today from Ben Warren, would move up to number 19. And I would imagine Tennessee would probably move up in the top 10 as well and in the you know, continue to move up in the top five in the SEC. So a big-time decision coming up. Bennett Warren, will he choose Tennessee? Will he choose Michigan? Will he choose a surprise in Texas A&M or Oklahoma? I do not believe Texas A&M nor Oklahoma are in this running. I believe it is Tennessee and Michigan, and I like where the Volunteers are heading into Decision Day. So we'll have to see. Big-time announcement for Bennett Warren. That's coming up sometime today. Four-star offensive tackle from the state of Texas. Hey, when we come back, speaking of an offensive tackle and Darnell Wright, boy, he is in the best shape of his life, crushed his conditioning test for the Chicago Bears, but it's really funny how that went down. That and more coming up next here, right? Right here on Lockdown Vols. I want to tell you about our friends over at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when you when it's the same when it comes to your vehicle as well. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts or accessories, I encourage you to head on over to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money will be back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed with eBay Guaranteed Fit. Get the right parts, the right fit, the right prices, all with ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back in here to your Monday edition of Locked On Vols. Appreciate you guys for being here at underscore Kaner and at Locked On Vols. That is where you can send in your questions for the mailbag edition of the show. That is tomorrow right here on Locked On Vols. Fall camp starts tomorrow with media day. First practice is on Wednesday. Um, anything you guys want to know, any, any questions you have on Tennessee football, recruiting, maybe it's basketball, baseball, whatever it is, at underscore Kaner and at Locked On Vols for Twitter Tuesday mailbag edition of the show don't forget as always everydayers you guys know it but if you're not an everydayer subscribe to lockdown balls on the youtube channel or please wherever you listen to your podcast darnell wright number 10 overall pick in the 2023 nfl draft the chicago bears traded back from number nine to number 10 and went with darnell wright i thought darnell wright would probably go in the mid-teens mid to late teens there were a lot of teams in there that liked him a lot um Tampa Bay liked him a lot. New England liked him a lot. Chicago liked him a lot. But with Chicago being a top 10 pick, I just I found it hard to believe Darnell Wright would be a top 10 overall pick. But there he was. They took him. They traded back. They knew they were going to take him. They knew that nobody was going to take him at number nine. The Eagles moving up to get somebody else. They moved back number nine, got some capital, and took their guy in Darnell Wright. And so, you know, Darnell Wright's been one of the better stories. One of one of been has been one of the better examples of players under Josh Heupel. Come in, get a whole lot better, become a draftable player, um, put yourself in best position to be drafted and selected as high as you can, and go out there and make money. And that's what Darnell White, Darnell Wright has done uh, over the course of his two years with Josh Heupel. Again, came in and started right away. As a true freshman in 2018, and he's been here for 2019, has been here for a while and, and doing that here at the University of Tennessee. So anyway, he's gone through working minicamp and all that. And uh, the Chicago Bears had a conditioning test that they take before 
you get into um, minicamp. And every team doesn't. We don't know the specifics of what this conditioning test entails and all that. But every team in the National Football League does it. Tennessee Volunteers do it at the at the college level. You know, we did it at Carson Newman. You have a conditioning test. But Bears general manager Ryan Poles came out and said when he met with the media the other day that number 10 overall draft pick Darnell Wright, quote, this is from Adam Hodge at uh, CHGO Sports, Darnell Wright busted his butt this offseason. Wright has lost a ton of weight and a lot of body fat. He absolutely crushed the conditioning test like he didn't even break a sweat. Well, that's good news, right? I mean, Darnell Wright has always needed to kind of work on his, his weight, meaning um, in the in this winter of 2021, after the 2020 season, during the whole fiasco of Pruitt being fired and investigation and hiring, all that, all that type of stuff, he came back and reported at like 355, and that, and that was too much, and that's something that he talked to us about the media. He was like, hey, I was super lazy. I was fat, and I came back, and I was super overweight, and I've had to work, and you know, before the 2021 season, he got his body weight down to about 335, which was good, and at points in times, he's been around 330, but still, the Chicago Bears wanted to, to take a little bit more weight off him, and so he's been working and working and working, and of course, uh, you know, the the sky's the limit for him in terms of an athlete, in terms of what he can do. I mean, so many people think so highly of Darnell Wright, and, and I think he's going to be a 10-year pro in the National Football League, 10-year starter, uh, just some really, really good stuff. But it was always good to see that something that he's he's maybe struggled with, not not a lot, but something he's struggled with a little bit in his past in terms of keeping weight off, he absolutely crushed his conditioning test, didn't even break a sweat. I mean, that that's eyebrow-raising, right, from the general manager of the Chicago Bears to say about you. And, of course, they're going to be asking about the number – you know, the team's number one overall pick. And, of course, that was Darnell Wright at number 10. Adam Hodge, again, coming back from CHGO Sports and quote-tweeted that tweet and said, Update from Darnell Wright on this. He accidentally looked at the wide receiver conditioning test and was training for that one. It's longer and faster. So, yeah, he crushed the O-line test. Cr- laughing slash crying face. Um, the formula's there, right? For every single year and every single offseason for Darnell Wright moving forward, the, the formula is there. You need to practice. You need to train for the wide receiver, <laughs> for the wide receiver con- conditioning test. Put yourself in the best position available there so that when the offensive line test comes around, you absolutely crush it. Uh, again, let's dial it back here, Uncle Rico style, okay? Um, you know, different level, different time. Was not a good football player, not a brag whatsoever. But we had a conditioning test, Carson Newman. It was the three, it was the, uh, it was the shuttle. And it it was it was so hard. It was it was so so hard. And you would train all summer for it. And there were different tests, which I thought were just embarrassing to begin with, because like the wide receivers had to average. You had to run it twice. The wide receivers had to average it in 56 seconds. The intermediates, which is where linebackers, what I ran, the tight ends and, and stuff like that, they had to average like 58 seconds. And then the big boys had to average 60 seconds. So you mean to tell me? that a 325-pound offensive lineman or defensive lineman had to average only four seconds less than a 175-pound cornerback, that's just not fair to me whatsoever. But point being, we would always train in the month of May and June and July a little bit with the wide receiver DBs. We would run these things called quarters. They were brutal. Loved them. So much fun. Uh, But we would run the wide receiver and defensive back sprints, if you will. Quarters are, without getting too far deep into it, quarters, a conditioning you know, test called the quarters, are essentially a series of sprints, and you run it out, then you get back down on the line, then you run it out, then you get back down. You do 10 of those, 10, 10, 6, that's one quarter. The linebacker portion of the quarters would be like, you know, 40, 22, 16, 7, 
35, 14, you know, just intermediate stuff with a couple of long ones. The wide receiver ones would be like 35, 40, 28, 27, 10, 43, you know, and so we would run those. And it always got you in shape so much quicker and you felt so much better about yourself. So, yeah, when the conditioning test came around, you absolutely crushed it. I don't know what Darnell Wright's training was like, but if he was training to <laughs> pass the wide receiver portion of the conditioning test, absolutely he's going to dominate the offensive line portion of that test. And um, I don't know if he did this. It sounds like he did this by accident. Um, I think moving forward he'll be doing this intentionally because, boy, that is uh, uh, that is that is hilarious. But, of course, the blueprint's there, and he did it the right way. So, Darnell Wright off and running, doing a great job in the National Football League as he continues to get ready for his rookie season. Um, Bennett Warren, he can look at a guy like Darnell Wright. He can look and see the progression of uh, Glenn Ellerby, who has not been the best recruiter on staff here for Josh Heupel. Uh, nowadays, you got to not only coach well, but you've got to recruit or you're not going to have a spot on staff. I'm not trying to say Glenn Arable is going to be fired. That's not what I'm saying whatsoever. But he's not been the best recruiter, in my opinion. But look at what he's done with Darnell Wright. Look at what he's done with Jerome Carvin. Look at what he's doing right now with Cooper Mays and Javante Spragans. Javante Spragans is going to be drafted next year. Look at what he did to Darnell Wright, a top 10 overall pick in the National Football League draft. If I'm Ben Warren. And I've got a decision coming today. Of course, I would I would imagine his decision is already made. But I, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, man, I want to be a part of that. I could be a Darnell Wright. I could be the next guy that could go top 10 for Tennessee, especially as an offensive lineman. That type of production and development is what I want to get in Glenn Ellerby and Josh Heupel. So I think it kind of goes hand in hand, just like I want to talk about Bennett Warren and Darnell Wright to begin this show, kind of going hand in hand. And that's why I think Tennessee should have no issue recruiting on the offensive line. And that's why I think Tennessee is in a good position to get Bennett Warren uh, later today when he makes his announcement. All right, enough of the offensive line talk. Let's get back to our Scouting the Opponent series. We'll take a break from SEC play. A little homecoming on Rocky Top November the 4th with UConn. We'll take a look at the Huskies when we return right here on Locked on Balls. All right, guys, Scouting the Opponent series for the University of Tennessee this year. All right, it's... Uh, you know, week number, what is it, 10, game number 9, November the 4th. You come back to Neyland Stadium after being on the road the previous two weeks at Alabama and at Kentucky, getting off that gruesome uh, three-game stretch in SEC play where you host AM and then you hit the road for Alabama and Kentucky. Uh, before that, you had an off week, you had South Carolina. Before that, two weeks before that, you had Florida, of course. So the SEC slate is well underway. But you got to have time for homecoming, and that's when UConn comes into play, and they'll be – at Neyland Stadium, November the 4th, and we'll be bringing head coach Jim Moore Jr. Jim Moore Jr. is no stranger to uh, the game of uh, football. He's been a head coach in the National Football League. He's been around the Pac-12 for a while, UCLA, and he's entering his second season coaching the UConn Huskies. UConn was 4-32 and in the four seasons prior to Jim Moore Jr. Last year, they went 6-7. Six and seven. A 6-6 six and six regular season fell to, I want to say, Memphis in the bowl game or somebody else. But anyway, was was 500 in regular season play and went to a bowl. So almost doubled uh, the, the wins from the previous four seasons in the year number one for Jim Moore Jr. So that's that's been really good. But there's not been a winning season for UConn dating since all the way back to the 2010 season uh, where they went to the Fiesta Bowl. 
found some success in the early 2000s, but hasn't had a winning season since that Fiesta Bowl team in 2010. So they're hungry for a winning season, but I don't think they're going to get a win on November 4th at uh, at Neyland Stadium. Jim Moore Jr., again, 6-7 and seven his first year at UConn. Overall in his coaching career, he's 52-37 and 37 in the college game. Um, so they improved an awful lot, but it wasn't because of the ball throwing going through the air in a forward motion. You know, the forward pass has been around the sport of football for quite some time. Um, not for UConn. Not for UConn in 2022, okay? Listen to this stat. UConn ranked 127th in passing offense, averaging 112 yards per game last year. The 127th national ranking is something that we've mentioned numerous times, but usually on this show, we're referencing the pass defense for the University of Tennessee in 2022. This is passing offense for UConn, 127th in passing offense, 112 yards on average a game. And this is surprising, too, because UConn averaged over 20 pass attempts last year, but only had 10 passing touchdowns on the season and 10 interceptions to go along with it. Archaic is a, is a word that used to describe the that, that brand of the offense in 2022. Um Reasons for that. You had a transfer that came over uh, gearing up for the 2022 season to Taquan Robertson, uh, but he tore his ACL in week one. Therefore, being thrust into the action was a true freshman in Zion Turner, who was the starter last year. So, I mean, there's a reason for the struggles uh, passing because you had a true freshman taking over. That was plan B at quarterback. Um, you know, those two guys are going to battle it out this year to see who's going to be the uh, uh, the starter. And my, my, uh, my money is going to be on Traquan Robertson. Uh, who really never got a go of it after transferring in, and, and finally he's healthy, and I think he'll be the starter for UConn this year. Uh, wide receivers, the leading wide receiver, Aaron Turner, transferred out of the program, but you did bring back uh, Kevin's Clearsius, who had 24 receptions for 300 yards and a touchdown last year. You added a Michigan reserve tight end and Lewis Hansen, so that's good. You bring back into the mix Cameron Ross. He was a starter in 2019, put up big numbers for the Huskies, UConn didn't play in 2021 and this in the 2020 for COVID and the second game in 2021, he suffered a season ending injury and then he got hurt in fall camp last year. So Cameron Ross at wide receiver has not played in a couple years, but it appears that he's healthy heading into the season or at least heading into camp. And uh, he's going to be added to that wide receiver uh, room as well. Now running back, they were pretty solid. Okay. You bring back your top two leading rushers from last year, Victor Rosa, 636 yards, 4.5 yards per carry, 11 touchdowns. Devontae Houston, 600 yards, 6.9 yards per carry, and three touchdowns. UConn almost averaged 200 yards on the ground a game last year. And so you're adding back those two top rushers plus four starting offensive linemen, and I would expect UConn to be a pretty decent running team in 2023. Uh, offense, passing-wise, passing will be a work in progress, of course, but running the football should be solid. You look over at defense, it was it was okay. Uh, gave up 27 points per game, 380 yards a game. Um, it was okay, but gave up 40-plus points to three Power 5 opponents. So, when they were playing their own, kind of playing in their own ballpark, if you will, in terms of competition, they were okay. And those three games against Power Five opponents, where they give up forty plus points, really kind of skewed the uh, points per game uh, average for UConn in twenty twenty two. Runs a three four scheme under Jim Moore Jr., uh, led by Jackson Mitchell at linebacker, one hundred and forty tackles. Uh, he will be the captain and leader of the defense from the second layer. You add into the mix Eric Gilliard, a transfer from. 
Kansas to kind of work with him. Up front, you got a couple of defensive linemen and Eric Watts, seven and a half sacks last year, 10 and a half CFLs and 50 tackles overall. That's a good place to start. You also add a couple of transfers like RJ Wilkins from Illinois and Ray Eldridge from Richmond to kind of beef up the front. And then you look at the DBs in the back end. Uh, two true freshmen last year, one at corner and one at safety, started, were thrust into action. And that's Devontae Jones, 90 tackles, and Malik Dixon Williams, 88 tackles. That ranked third and fourth on the defense, respectively, in terms of tackles. So, um, you know, it's okay defensively, adding a lot in the via the transfer portal. Um, I think UConn's poised to take another step under Jim Moore Jr. against six wins in 2022, whereas they had four wins combined in the previous 36 games, four years um, under their previous head coach. So that's good to see. Overall, this is a good breather for the University of Tennessee. You come off that stretch, you come home, a little home cooking, a little homecoming, right? You get back on the SEC, SEC slate next week at Missouri, and then you come back home for the a Georgia game, huge Georgia game at Neyland Stadium. That's going to be on November 18th, and then you conclude you conclude the regular season against the Vanderbilt Commodores on November the 25th. So uh, that is a look at the UConn Huskies as we continue our scouting the opponent series right here on Lockdown Balls. Tennessee should have no issue with UConn, but hopefully uh, Tennessee will be playing for a, a big down a big time showdown. The anticipation will continue to build for Georgia coming up in a couple of weeks. All right, that's going to do it here for this Monday edition of Locked On Vols. Tomorrow, media day. Tennessee football season officially is underway with camp, mini camp over on the university, or training camp over on the University of Tennessee practice field. It has some practice field. We'll be over there. I'll be over there watching some practice, giving you all the weekend handle at underscore Kaner on Twitter, at Locked On Vols. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns on anything, your voice can be heard tomorrow on the show at underscore Kane or at Lockdown Balls. Twitter Tuesday, mailbag edition of the show. Go ahead and dial into it. Send me those questions and uh, subscribe to Lockdown Balls on the YouTube channel. Guys, I appreciate it as always. Thanks so much. And we will talk to you again tomorrow. This is Lockdown Balls.